Hello, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of The Daily. Good morning. I hope your day is starting off well. This episode is for the 19th of May, Tuesday, and we are almost approaching the end of the circuit breaker. Now, there is much uncertainty to what life post-circuit breaker will look like, how much of the restrictions would actually be lifted, how normal would things be. There's so much uncertainty there. But nevertheless, I think this is still something worth celebrating, worth being grateful for, that the Lord in His grace, His mercy, His kindness has preserved us, has kept us through two months of being isolated at home. And so a massive kudos to you uh, for doing well in this time, uh, especially to all you extroverts out there, to all your parents having to juggle home-based learning and your own jobs. Great big kudos to you. Much appreciation and admiration for how well you have done in this time. Now, an apt metaphor to describe the times that we're living in uh, is that of a crucible. Now, the crucible is a kind of container uh, used to heat up metals to a molten state. And when it does so, uh, of course, impurities would rise to the surface even as heat and pressure builds up within the crucible. And the craftsman would skillfully skim off all these impurities. And I think this is such an apt metaphor to describe the times that we're living in, right? Where we feel all of this pressure uh, mounting on all sides, where we feel the heat, even in our own lives being turned up to uncomfortable levels. And we feel all these stuff, impurities rising to the surface. And we see this in society at large as well, don't we, right? It is... Uh, an interesting cultural moment to say the least. We are seeing some of the most profound acts of selflessness in human history, right? We think of our frontline workers, we think of people going out of their way to exhibit kindness and generosity, but we're also seeing much selfishness in our society. People uh, deferring to their self-preservational tendencies, people hoarding, people being ungracious and unkind. Uh, we think of that Charles Dickens line, right? It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom and it was the age of foolishness. And such is the world, the moment that we are experiencing and living in, in this time. Now, I think social media and various news sites do a great job in keeping us informed and also amplifying and drawing our attentions to great initiatives, great acts of justice, of kindness, of mercy, people who are inspiring, who inspire us to do better, to do more in this time. But at the same time, it also amplifies much of the unpleasant and undesirable acts and characteristic traits that people are manifesting today, right? We see videos of people being rude to the safe distancing ambassadors, videos of people being ungracious and unkind, videos of people not complying to the measures. And it's almost as though the dark side or the darker side of our society is being put on display right now. 
But what struck me even as I looked at those videos, and of course, some of uh, the behavior was appalling to say the least, just downright unkind and ungracious. But what struck me even as I watched all these videos on Facebook was that I noticed how vicious people could actually be even as I scrolled through the comment section. And I would say this, that I was more appalled by the comments that I read as opposed to the actual video. I mean, I read stuff like, I hope your entire family gets the coronavirus. I hope that you die. I hope that you will lose your job. And also people talking about witch hunt, trying to track the person down, asking for the person's phone number and address so that they can prank them, so that they can do stuff uh, that, that is harmful toward them. Just people being downright vicious, exhibiting an utter lack of empathy and mercy. Now, I'd hope that if you're listening to this podcast that you are not a participant in some of these downright disgusting behaviors. But I would wonder in this time whether you would identify yourself as a person who walks in love, in empathy, in mercy, even toward people who you may disagree with or who may not deserve it. Are you a person of mercy? Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was making a grocery run at a mall close to my place. And the grocery store, that fair price is on the top floor. And so I would have to uh, walk all the way up to the top floor, take the escalators to get up there. And every time I made this grocery run, I would see an older gentleman. He would be on the third floor and he would be sitting on the seats next to the escalator reading a newspaper. And I, I saw him for probably the last three runs, sitting in the same spot, reading his newspaper. His mask was like half down. Uh, he was sitting there um, and he would be there for hours upon hours, just spending the whole day sitting in the mall, reading his newspaper. And at times he would be harassing uh, people that walked by him, shouting and screaming at them. It wasn't a pleasant sight. And I remember on that particular grocery run, now I've seen this older gentleman in that same spot at least four or five times already. And this particular run, you know, he was doing his usual thing, as reading newspaper, harassing people that walked by him. And as I walked by him, you know, I looked at him and our eyes met real quickly. And I looked away and I did one of those typical Singaporean things, right? I shook my head and I went... And I walked away. Now, in hindsight, I wasn't really proud of my action. I could have just left it and walked away. And I had no idea why I responded in the first place. But what consumed me at that point of time was how unsafe uh, he was just sitting out there. How rude he was being to other people. And honestly, I'm quite a rule follower kind of guy. I love rules. And so when someone doesn't abide by rules, it bothers me, it affects me. And this kind of like justice or sense of justice rises in me to take offense with people who aren't following rules or aren't abiding by the measures. And so it's interesting that in that same evening, I had a conversation with a friend who works in the social sector and I was just talking with him about what I saw in the mall and 
how it affected me, and he clued me into the plight of much of the elderly in Singapore. Many of them actually live on their own and being cooped up in a small confined space on their own for this extended period of time is doing all sorts of harm to their mental health and many of them just need to go out or else they would be literally driven to a point of insanity. And so being able to go out, to sit outside, to read newspaper is an immense form of respite for them. And of course, there is much to say about that particular gentleman's reaction, how much of it was right and how much of it was wrong. But a point I would like to bring up in this talk is how quickly I jumped to offer judgment instead of mercy. I was quick to judge, to lay on my own conclusions that this man is just downright irresponsible, rude, he doesn't want to abide by the rules, he is a sort of menace to society. I was quick to jump to my conclusions and offer judgment instead of mercy. Now we all know a judgmental person when we meet one, right? And we all know what it feels like to be judged. But how do we identify judgmentalism in ourselves? Jesus spent about a third of his ministry fighting against the religious leaders of his day because they had distorted the good news of God, the gospel, and made it an oppressive burden for others. In the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus unveiled his kind of kingdom manifesto, he included these words, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. What strong words from Jesus. The phrase or the words do not judge in our politically correct PC kind of culture. Those three words may be the most famous saying of Jesus. And they are often interpreted to mean that no one has a right to tell other people they are right or wrong, true or false, good or evil. But... You know, that wasn't what Jesus was getting to in that statement. The word judge can imply to analyze or evaluate as well as to condemn or avenge. A scholar once sums up this entire uh, verse or this entire statement with a simple call to action. He calls the church, he calls the body of Christ, he calls believers to combat the spirit of criticism. Now, the danger of a critical spirit is that it creates a kind of false power dynamic. You know, judgment is based on this faulty assumption that we are right in every situation, that our opinion is called for and must be expressed. But we know this to be untrue because, one, we are never right all the time. Two, we don't have the full story, the full picture. We aren't fully informed of a person's unique journey, a person's unique suffering and circumstance. So often our judgment is premature at best. And the central fault in being judgmental is that we announce and enforce our verdicts about other people's life prematurely. For example, you know, they are lazy, therefore they deserve to be in the spot that they are in. I will withhold my help. They are disorganized, therefore they are unreliable. 
They don't value theology. They aren't deep. Therefore, they are shallow. They are overweight. Therefore, they are greedy. They are in debt. Therefore, they are impulsive. And we do this all internally. But our judgment don't often stay in our heads, right? We manifest them in some kind of coldness or disappointment or uh, expression of disdain. Much like what I did to that gentleman, I gave him a look of disdain, of disapproval. But I'm convicted even as I consider the traits of accusation, of coldness, of disappointment, of a lack of grace and kindness being associated with the kingdom of darkness and not the kingdom of light. Satan, as described in the Bible, is the accuser of the brethren. He who points out faults and failures of believers, he who is critical, that is Satan. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is our advocate, our great high priest who stands up against these accusations and announces the verdict of grace over our lives. When we walk around judging people rather than advocating for them, we in many ways partner with the work of the enemy. And if we desire to walk in the way of Jesus, in the way of our Lord, it looks like grace, kindness, and love, and empathy, mercy, that which is to differ from judgment. I'm reminded in the book of James, it says this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Triumph indicates some kind of battle, doesn't it? Right, And so what James is essentially saying is that for mercy to burst forth in our lives, it has to defeat something. It has to win and triumph over something in a battle. And that something is judgment. See, there are forces at war in the human heart. Mercy must defeat that humanistic desire to be right, the desire to criticize, the desire to judge, the desire to point out the fault. The way of mercy is the way of Jesus. It is to triumph over judgment. You see, I believe for all of us, as we look at our own lives, we would see that some of the deepest wounds that we bear were received in moments where we were judged, we were Condemned and often prematurely, often wishing that people knew that there was more to the story, that there was more to you besides that one act of folly, that particular mistake, that there was more to the story. And also consider whether you have regretted uh, being judgmental, metting out criticisms, or coming to conclusions prematurely. It could look like You've said of this guy that you've met for the first time, this guy looks horrible, I'll never be friends with him. And that person ends up being a really good friend. To even coming to conclusions about a person's character without understanding the full extent of a person's suffering and journey. How many of the things we see in others, things that we rush to judge, are embedded in larger stories of heartache and pain, wounds, and frustration of which we are oblivious. Now what made Jesus so compelling to the loss is that he looked beyond their issues to see the people themselves. He could see the whole of their humanity and the arc of their redemption. 
Brandon Manning puts this so well. He says this, Our hearts of stone become hearts of flesh when we learn where the outcast weeps. It is when we see the person, not just the issue, not just the dysfunction, not just the behaviour, that we usher in the redemptive possibility that we know is in the gospel. The tragedy is that our attention centres on what people are not, rather than on what they are and who they might become. Judgment sees the issue, but mercy sees the person. This is how mercy triumphs over judgment. We ourselves have cried out for mercy for our souls and have been recipients of that mercy. And maybe now in this time of great criticism, of judgment and just viciousness we're seeing, especially on social media, maybe now is a time for us as ones who have first received of mercy to be conduits of that same mercy to others around us. The Bible tells us this in Luke chapter 7, that we are to be merciful just as our Father is merciful. And so let's spend some time this morning even reflecting on our actions, especially in the last couple of months, whether we have reacted in mercy when we are confronted with behaviours that are just undesirable, Or have we been critical and quick to judge and allow the Spirit to speak to you even this day and to maybe correct some wrong behaviours that you have been displaying and expressing this time? And perhaps today, this morning, this moment is time for you to repent of some behaviours or some things that you have said or some thoughts you have entertained and allow God in His grace to weed these things out of you so that you can be formed into a person of love. And even as we're confronted with these painful realities that lay dormant in our heart, let's cry out for mercy this morning. Let's ask for God's mercy to meet us today, even as we are acquainted with our weakness, with our failing, with our imperfections, Let's ask for God's mercy, for God's grace this morning. His grace is all sufficient. You know, the Bible says that God's throne is called the throne of mercy. That which God's presence rested upon in the Old Testament was called the mercy seat. Our God is mercy. So even as we rise this morning, as we endeavour to be more merciful to others, let's ask for God's mercy this morning. And we know God's mercies are new every morning. Let's take a moment to do so together. Amazing. Let me pray for you before you start your day today. This morning, I'm going to be praying for you a prayer from St. Francis. It's called the Peace Prayer. Let's pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. 
Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. Have a blessed day ahead. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg, or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.